on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Primetime Production. I'm your host, Chris Davis, and today's an exciting day, um, the start of the PWHL season um, for the PWHL Boston. Um, they're going to be playing um, PWHL Minnesota, Songus Arena, 7 o'clock. You can catch that game on Nesson. Obviously, by the time this episode drops, the game will have already been played, but I'm super fired up to watch it. Um, a lot of anticipation for this league. I mean, a lot of talent in this league. Um, and, and just in going through the rosters, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty fired up for both of these teams. Um, first off, starting with, obviously, Hillary Knight. You know, she was named captain of uh, PWHL Boston. Uh, pretty cool moment. Um, Patrice Bergeron, obviously, you know, her and Patrice shook hands and, you know, had a photo op. And it's pretty cool. Pretty cool to see. Um She's obviously incredibly talented, right-hand shot. Um, yeah, and, and, and another player who I fortunately got a chance to see um, while during my time at Northeastern, um, Alina Mueller, who is just incredible, incredibly talented, um, insane, um, just so good. And I, I can't wait to see these two rip it up tonight at, uh, at Songus. Um, but honestly, on the other side of the puck, too, like, this this PWHL Minnesota team is no joke either. They obviously had the first overall pick, um, selecting Taylor Heiss, obviously a Minnesota native, so that was pretty cool to see. Um, and then another person, you know, another girl I'm I'm excited to see is Kendall Coyne Schofield. Obviously, we you know we heard a lot about her 2019. She was Team USA's captain, you know, representing her country. Three Olympic medals, one gold, two silver. And then nine IIHF World Women's World Championship medals, six gold, three silver. That's incredible. Um, she had, you know, another another Northeastern Husky who had a prolific career there. Um, it, this game is going to be really fun to watch. And just having seen some of the highlights of the other games, um, PW, I know PWHL Ottawa was in, in play. This, they are physical out there, and it, it was it was really cool to see. Just I think a lot of people think that these these women, it's a non contact thing. No, they are definitely hitting, and and just having been able to see the highlights and some of these girls' shots are unbelievable. Um, you know, just the, how fast they are. It, it's going to be really fun to watch, and I'll definitely be tuning in um, for you know the PWHL Boston game so i'm really fired up for them and obviously best of luck to them throughout the season um hopefully i'll be able to catch a few games at songus um not too far away from me obviously probably less than 15 minutes away so it'd probably be pretty cool to um you know catch a game or two and so yeah that that's kind of how i wanted to start the show and just get into the the pwhl because i think obviously with drop the mitts we're going to be covering a lot of pwhl throughout the season it was one of the things that I, you know, really wanted to touch on. I think it's a really good opportunity, obviously, to spread the game um, for younger girls, um, you know, who might not have necessarily known about the game of hockey. And I think this is going to be a really cool thing, um, you know, to try to help spread the game as a whole. Um, so kind of moving on, um, the World Juniors. I mean, there was some mayhem, absolute mayhem within the past week. Um, obviously Canada goes down, um, which was an insane game, by the way, they lost three, two in the quarterfinal to Czechia. Um, 
it was one of those things beginning of the world juniors i felt as if this canada team was just very the roster as a whole in comparison to the us was just very underwhelming and and i don't know exactly what was missing from this team i mean obviously um there were a couple videos i had seen had they had have had they have had um you know a couple players that they were missing you know zach benson being one of them um who was obviously eligible you know connor bedard um who's ripping it up right now in chicago um could we have could we be talking about a different scenario possibly um i think they were still really exposed in some areas and i think especially on the blue line um just a, a significantly weaker decor um in comparison to last year um it's too bad because i think up front they had they still had i mean macklin celebrini i i talked a lot about him last um episode just how incredibly talented he is and and i think although they were eliminated you know they lost in the quarterfinal i think he has um stapled himself as that number one pick i don't think anyone is going to be coming close to him i think he is the clear-cut number one pick for this upcoming draft um and and that was all thanks to obviously his play at bu but especially in this world juniors the way that he was able to you know take the puck and and make plays by himself and take it upon himself a couple beautiful goals that he scored um and yeah so moving on to the to the us i mean obviously this us team is is does not look like they're slowing down um at all um they routed latvia 7-2 on tuesday um to advance to the semifinals um where they're going to be playing uh finland on thursday tomorrow so i'm really excited obviously in that game gabe perot scored twice um and the u.s had five other players that had a goal um and, and like i mentioned this team just is not slowing down um they're getting incredible play from we mentioned Gabe Perot. Cutter Gauthier is, has been playing unbelievable. Um, their goaltending between Jacob Fowler and, and Trey Augustine has just been incredible. Um, it's been really special to watch. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously this game against Finland is going to be a little more, definitely going to be a competitive game. Um, but I think they're up for the task. I mean, you mentioned against Latvia, um, Bruins prospect and the captain of Latvia, Dan Zlokmela, scored twice. Um, but when we're talking about this U.S. team, the the shots were the biggest thing. I mean, they outshot Latvia 41 to 25. And I don't think there was ever really a doubt in this in this game, um, just the way that the U.S. dominated. Um, mentioned other guys that had chipped in, you know, Will Smith, Brian Leonard. I had mentioned Gabe Pro earlier. They that line absolutely dominated um they combined for six points um and then in, in addition to that uh michigan defenseman shamans casey chipped in with three assists and, and just played incredible the way that he was able to drive the play um just made you know just such a smooth skater and and really really showed off his you know his skating ability in that game um To you know, to to kind of put this in, into perspective, 
I think the the only thing standing in the in the U.S.'s way right now um, would be this Sweden team. Um, I, I think they're the only team at this point that is going to really make it difficult for the U.S. to win the gold. Um, Sweden is a very very good team, especially defensively. Um, they've got a couple absolute studs back there, um, and and. Luckily, um, having been in Boston, I've, I've been able to, you know, watch a, one of these guys that I think is going to be really special at the next level, um, and that is Tom Willander. Um, just an incredible defenseman. Obviously, he was selected by Vancouver um, in last year's draft. Um, just an incredibly talented kid. Um, you know, and obviously they're missing Leo Carlson this year, um, but but they bring back some incredible talent. And and obviously, you know, um, one guy that I want to bring up in spe- specifically is Axel Sandin Palika, um, who had the game winning goal, um, you know, last game uh, for them to move on. Which this this decor again, just just in talking about them, a very special group. Um, and the forward group as well is, you know, nothing to, there are no slouches either, obviously led by Jonathan LaCaramacki, um, Vancouver prospect. Um, he's played very well in this tournament, um, along with Liam Olgren and Noah Oslin. Um, those are, those are three guys that have really, you know, stood out to me, um, along with those two defensemen and Tom Willander and Axel Sandine Palika. Um, it's a very talented Swedish roster this year. Um, historically, I mean, they've, you know, they, they've struggled in this tournament um, when it comes to winning gold. Um, and I think this is probably the first year in, in a while where they have a legitimate chance. Um, you know, and, and, and just in the way that they're playing and the way that they stole last game, um, I think they're a credible threat to the U.S. And I just, in, in looking at this U.S. roster too, I mean, I talked about it last episode. I mean, they are four lines deep, three lines of defensemen deep. Um, you know, just an incredibly constructed roster. Um, I don't see I, – I see the U.S. team winning gold, um, to be completely honest. It, it, the way that they have dominated pretty much every game, um, I don't see them slowing down at any point in this tournament. I mean, I think tomorrow will be a true test with Finland, but we'll see. Um, obviously, one of the prospects that I was really excited for at the, you know, the beginning of the tournament and – has played fairly well. Um, Consta Hellenius, um, he's going to be in action tomorrow, and obviously I'll get to be able to see a little bit more of him um, in-game against the U.S., so that I'm excited for that. Um, and, yeah, I, I, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'd like to see, you know, the U.S. put them away pretty early um, and not give them a chance to breathe, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, Really excited for them, you know, obviously being a, you know, born in the U.S. I want to see them win gold in this tournament. I think this roster is too talented for them not to. And it would be an incredible 
huge disappointment if they are not able to, you know, win gold in this tournament. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I kind of, you know, I kind of wanted to move on. Um, last episode, I didn't necessarily, I didn't really talk a whole lot about, um, you know, NHL topics. Um, and one thing I wanted to bring up, um, and, and something that I haven't really touched on cause I'm trying to have this podcast be hockey as a whole, um, and not just zero in on one team or one league. Um, but I would be remiss to not mention and not bring up the, the play of some of the lower cost free agents that the Boston Bruins have brought in. Um, insane i mean it was especially some it's it was something that i noticed last night in their game um just just the the scoring and and the the play that they're getting from the guys that no one anticipated right whether they're pto guys or you know one million dollar contracts for the year just some of the numbers that they're putting up right in in 34 games James Van Riemsdyk has put up seven goals and 18 assists for 25 points and is a plus five. You know, five power play goals and five power play assists, you know, to, to obviously make 10 power play points. He's making a million dollars this season, which is incredible value. And I, you know, I went on Twitter and I had said that he was the number one free agent signing. And... You know, I had gotten some pushback about, well, you know, a couple other guys, you know, Matt Duchesne was mentioned. I just think for the dollar value that you're getting and that you're paying James Van Riemsdyk for this level of production, it's second to none. I mean, he's averaging 13, you know, about 13 and a half minutes per game. You know, it's it's 13.48 right now. And again, you're paying him a million dollars. And And another guy I wanted to bring up too is, um, Danton Heinen in 28 games, he's got five goals, seven assists for 12 points in a plus 11. And another guy, he's, he's averaging almost 14 minutes a night. Right. And he didn't get paid for two weeks before the season because they were trying to clear cap for him and, and, and clear a space for him. And he's producing incredible production from this guy. And the third guy I wanted to bring up was Kevin Shattenkirk. Obviously, he was a guy where, you know, I think a lot of Bruins fans, you know, as he was signed and, um, you know, someone who called this signing happening, uh, downtown Boozy, shout out Boozy um, of only Bruins. Um, In 30 games, Shattenkirk has five goals, six assists, 11 points, a minus one, and he's averaging 16-18. A night, time on ice. And he's predominantly playing on the third pair. Um, we saw when Charlie McAvoy was out, he was the quarterback of the power play, and he thrived in that position. I thought he played really well. I mean, so far he's got, you know, two power play goals. He's been on an absolute tear lately. Um, two goals, three assists on the power play. Um, and just doesn't seem like he's going to be slowing down at any point. I mean, he's... <laughs> He's been awesome on that third pair. He's been really, I don't want to say a surprise, but I think he's another one of those guys where the dollar value, the the production right now is not matching the dollar value. It's a, it's another steel contract for the Bruins um, for this season. 
just incredible play from those guys. I wanted, you know, I just wanted to note that, um, you know, there was some interesting discussions whether, you know, who who are you going to pick for the the seventh player award? You know, there's there's so many guys that you could pick, right? Where first of all, what do you define as the seventh player award? It's for me, it's the guy, and I think as it's labeled, the the guy that has gone above and beyond expectations, right? I mean, they have three guys. Those three guys I mentioned all fit that description perfectly. I mean, if the season ends today, I'm giving the award to James Van Riemsdyk. It's as close as it is um, with those guys. I mean, another guy you can throw in there is Morgan Geeky. Um, in 30 games, he's you know he's potted six goals, eight assists for 14 points. He's a plus one, and he's averaging a little over 15 minutes a night. Um, four power play points. He's another guy that, you know, for the for the value that you signed him at, it was almost like a second chance, right? I mean, it, his career hadn't necessarily taken off in, in Seattle, and no one thought that he was a slouch or anything or a bust or anything. I think he just needed another opportunity, and um, obviously he's taken full advantage of that. Um, you know, he, had, he talked so highly about being on, you know, a part of this Bruins team. Um, and two pad stack of, um, you know, another one of the, our podcasts on primetime. Um, if you haven't go follow them. Um, they just had Morgan on and it was an awesome interview. I mean, you kind of gained the perspective of what he went through and like what his mindset was going into the season. Um, I definitely recommend you go check out that episode because it definitely gives you a perspective of, you know, kind of had that chip on his shoulder a little bit. And obviously you're seeing that on the ice. I mean, he's, you know, producing um, well above what we're paying. You know, the Bruins are paying him. And, um, yeah, he's another one of those guys that will compete for the seventh player award. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what you know what happens the rest of the year. Um because, I mean, it, it really depends. We've seen how much the, you know, the the lines have juggled um, throughout this year. So I don't know towards the, you know, towards the end of the season, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. But I think ultimately um, it's going to be JVR who wins this award. Um, and, you know, I, I, I hope they all kind of continue this pr- level of production. And we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, a lot of hockey left, obviously. We haven't even hit the All-Star break. But obviously, at this point in time when we're recording, um, Wednesday, um, the 3rd, the Bruins sit at 23-7-6, first in the Atlantic. I mean, they're they're, they're looking like they're starting to pick up again. Um, It's really exciting to see. Um, You know, they're they're getting great goaltending play. and we'll see what happens at the end of the year. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up um, that I'm really excited about is this Hart Trophy race. I mean, Jesus, it's it's gonna be it's gonna come down to the wire, and it's for me, it's really come down to five guys um, that are just you take away from this their team. Where that's kind of how I define the MVP, the Hart Trophy, right? You take them away from your, from their given team and how much of a significant loss it would be. Um, you know, I, the five guys for me are Nikita Kucherov, Nate McKinnon, 
Connor McDavid, Artemi Panarin, and David Pasternak. Um, those those five guys. I mean, obviously, right now, the what Nikita Kucherov is doing in Tampa. Um, he's got 27 goals, 36 assists for 63 points, but is a minus one. Um, obviously, that's good for first in the NHL um, in points, second in the NHL in goals, and tied for third in assists. Um, obviously, the plus minus isn't there, but you could blame that on the you know any any number of reasons, right? I mean, Victor Hedman missing time, uh, Andre Vasilevsky probably that would be the most significant reason him missing all that time. I think he's going to make a serious push. Um, and then you know, obviously Nathan McKinnon, twenty goals, forty one assists, um, forty one assists is number one in the NHL. Um, just an incredible playmaker. Um, you know, he scored obviously the power play goal in overtime, um, to win it, um, you know, the other night, but I mentioned, yeah, 20 goals, 61 points, good for second in the NHL. He's one of those guys, you take him away from Colorado. I think it's going to be a significant loss, obviously with, um, the injuries that Colorado has most notably Gabriel Landeskog is still not dressed for this team. Um, a huge blow, obviously. Um, and then obviously, right, Mick Jesus, as always, I mean, it's, you know, he's the best in the world still, although he started off slow, he is still the number one player in the world in my mind. Um, he has scored lately. He's scored some unbelievable, unbelievable, you know, goals, um, as of late, um, he's up to 903 points, um, in 602 games, which is just outrageous. Um, that was that was last night. Um, obviously, him hitting that milestone. Um, 317 goals, 586 assists. It, it's outrageous what he's doing at the pace he is. Um, right now, obviously, he's got 14 goals, 39 assists. That 39 assists is good for second in the NHL, and then the 53 points is good for third in the NHL. And I think, you know, as the season goes on, he's going to – He's going to pick it up even more. I mean, you're going to you're going to look at him probably as a like two point two points per game uh, player. Um, he he really looks like he's starting to pick up, um, especially after the firing of Jay Woodcroft. Um, so we'll see what happens at the tail end of the season. Um, next is Artemi Panarin um, having a really another really good season. Um, you know, for for the New York Rangers um, so far this season, he's got. 23 goals, 28 assists for 51 points. He's an even um, plus minus 23 goals. It's good for fifth in the NHL. And then 28 assists is 13th, but fourth with 51 points. And he's another one of those guys you take away from that team. Um, they're in serious dog doo-doo. Um, and then obviously the fifth choice for me, um, David Pasternak, uh, all forwards in this, you know, in this race right now, obviously a couple other names that come to mind, Quinn Hughes, um, what he's doing. I think he's going to be a lock for the Norris. Um, if he keeps up this pace that he's on, um, it, it's just, it's so hard to, you know, to kind of not discredit, but like what these forwards are doing, the amount of points they're putting up. And obviously it's not all about points, but um, those are my top five guys, um, right now for the, for the heart trophy race. And it, honestly, it was last night that I was reading an article. I can't remember who, 
wrote it. It was really interesting, and it was it was I forgot which writer it was, but they pretty much felt as if it was going to boil down to McKinnon and McDavid, um, and just how exciting that race is going to be. We'll see what happens. I mean, I think it really depends on how much the Oilers turn it around. I mean, based on their start, if they can, you know, come back and and be a high seed, you know, make the playoffs. I mean, I think it's going to be hard not to give it to McDavid if he keeps up this, you know, this point pace. Um, We will see what happens. Um, So kind of just moving on, I started my mock draft um, for the 2024 um, NHL draft. I had done that last week based on if the season was going to end that day, last Wednesday. However, games have been played, and the this where the picks would be have been completely juggled. Um, so my plan for my mock draft is I am going to pick, um, I think starting next week, I'm going to pick probably on Tuesday, I'm going to do the full 32 teams. If the season was going to end next Tuesday, where those guys would, you know, would fit in, in my mind. Obviously this past draft, you know, last week's mock draft, it was picks one through nine. I will include those again, possibly in different orders, you know, based on, it depends on which teams fall where, but my plan is to do all 32 teams. Um, and give it that way, um, just because it's going to be so difficult week to week. Obviously, the standings are going to fluctuate and things are going to, you know, teams are going to move. Players are going to, you know, juggle, move up in my rankings, down in my rankings. In addition to that, I'm going to be doing a top 50 prospects um, based on, you know, my evaluation, what I think. Um, I've gotten the opportunity to watch a lot of these kids, so I'm excited to do this. and, and you know, rank these guys. It's going to be a really loaded draft. Um, so it's going to be fun to try to, you know, put these guys, you know, in different spots where I think they best fit and where the best fit for the team as well. Um, so I think for now, um, I want to just go through some prospects um, in this upcoming draft that I'm I'm really excited about. Um Obviously, I did a, a pretty, pretty in-depth breakdown last week of some of them. Um, and now, you know, I, I want to take out those players that I decided to, you know, include in the one through nine and really zero in on the, you know, the players that I didn't, um, that I didn't include in those, in those top nine. Just kind of talk about where, you know, what kind of player they are. Um, where I see them fitting, um, as far as numbers, um, you know, pick wise, um, the, the first guy I want to, you know, kind of zero in on, um, really, really sad story. Um, and just unfortunate circumstance for this guy. Um, the first is Adam Jiracek. Um, obviously he was, he was a part of, um, Chechia, um, you know, world junior team. Um, it's so unfortunate, man. Like 
see, he literally played one game. The same exact thing happened to his brother, where it was just a freak, like freak injury, um, and miss you know ends up missing the entire tournament. Um, Juracek, in my mind, is still going to be a top fifteen pick. I mean, he's one of my favorite defensemen in this in this draft as a whole. Obviously, he's an 06, so he's you know seventeen. Um, 6'2", 168. Um, most of these rankings that I'm seeing, like as far as like the hockey news, Bob McKenzie, Craig Button, elite prospects, um, consolidated ranking, you know, they all have him within the top ten, right? Of their in their rankings, and I and I do agree with that for sure. Um, the the area of his game that I'm the biggest fan of is obviously his ability to move the puck and his, you know, his puck handling is second to none. Um, one of the best in the draft, I'd say. Um, he, he's very, he's very physical, right? And he, he covers a lot of ice. Um, a lot of the scouts are saying that his skating needs work, um, you know, as far as edge work. Um, but again, I think physically, his body of work, he's going to be able to adapt very fast in this in this league. Um, you know, the younger brother of obviously he's the younger brother of David Dirichek, um, you know, Columbus's fifth overall pick last year. Um, he just, I, I'm a real big fan of this guy, and and I want to read one of the um, from Stephen Ellis, who if you guys haven't gotten the chance to follow Stephen. Um, Throughout this World Juniors, he's done an incredible job um, breaking down all the games and you know the different prospects who are um, playing in those games. But what Stephen writes, um, as far you know, this is as current as November eighth, so before the tournament, obviously. Um, he's saying Adam is still getting uh, the chance to play against pros. Um, his decision making with the puck has looked solid. Um, Juracek is aggressive and can shoot with power. His skating definitely needs work, and that and I want to note that this scouting report and he and Stephen acknowledges this. It was just like David when he came out and was the fifth overall pick. Um, that's something that can be critiqued and can be fixed. And something obviously with him being a seventeen-year-old kid, um, it's it's something he can work on. And it's one of those things that you know you get him in with the right coaches. Um, he's got all the, all the tools, the physical tools. Um, and obviously skating is, is definitely something he can, you know, work on and, and fix. Um, he's got great speed for a defenseman. Um, I think right now, you know, I just want to see him recover and, and get to, you know, back to form with this injury. It was so unfortunate. I mean, he was one of the prospects I really was excited to watch. Um, obviously he just had that freak fall, um, one game, um, and it just is unfortunate. It's, it sucks. Um, but I think, you know, I think he'll come back and I think he'll be better, better than ever. Um, I anticipate he's going to fall anywhere, you know, between 10 and 15. Um, I don't think this is going to be a huge red flag for teams. I think he's going to rehab this fine. Um, 
and again, yeah, I see him falling, not falling. That's not even the right word. I, where he gets picked is going to be, I, I anticipate between 10 and 15. Um, I know that's a kind of a wide range, but it's just kind of based on where my top 10 were. Um, I would not be surprised to see him go later, um, you know, in the 7 to 10 range, depending on what teams are picking there. Um, just know, and I know this, whatever team does get Adam Juracek, they're getting a damn good defenseman. Um, I think he's going to be really solid at the next level. Um, you know, awards by season. He, you know, obviously he was a part of that Holinka, the Holinka Gretzky Cup, the silver medal. Um, 2022 to 2023 for Chechnya, um, U20. He had the most goals by a defenseman at 12. And then he was also in 21-22, the U7, uh, U17 champion. So I'm really excited about him. And I, you know, again, I wish him nothing but, you know, a speedy recovery and, and you know, hope he's feeling better. Um, the next guy I want to move on to um, for scouting and, and just kind of breaking down his game is uh, Trevor Connolly. Um, this kid, I, I was fortunate enough to get him on the podcast. Um, if you guys haven't had the opportunity to listen um, to that episode with, with Trevor Connolly, um, just a, a super, super humble kid, um, incredibly humble. I mean, he was just very transparent in all the questions that I asked. Um, an open book. I mean, he, he just really humble. It, it was episode um, 14 posted on the 29th of, of uh, 2023. So I, he's another prospect that I, I really anticipate is going to be solid at the next level um, as a centerman. Um, 6-1, 161. Um, you know, he's looked at as one of the most skilled forwards in this draft. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um, we saw it literally in the last few games that he's played. He's, he's, no doubt a first round talent. He's a pure playmaker, um, committed to Providence College. I, I literally cannot wait until he, you know, finally makes the jump and goes to uh, Providence. Um, we'll be going to a ton of games um, to watch him. Um, he's going to, I mean, he's going to make, he's going to be a day one impact for sure. No doubt about it. Um, I want to read Stephen Ellis's uh, breakdown. Of, of Trevor Connolly and obviously he's you know playing for Tri-City the Tri-City Storm right now um he Stephen Stephen says as expected Trevor Connolly has been one of the USHL's top players showcasing his high-end playmaking abilities Connolly is prone to trying to do too much with the puck on occasion but he's a fun player to watch with with loads of skill and and I honestly couldn't agree more. And and I got the chance to watch him um, during the Holinka Cup. Um, we're in five games. He posted five goals, five assists for ten points, four penalty minutes. Um, he was insane. Like just he was not noticeable um, on that ice surface, and just he was yeah he he was insane. Um, some of the things that he's pulled. Um, obviously, he had the that Michigan goal. Um, a few weeks back um and it just looked effortless it was lit, like 
it looked like he wasn't even trying. Um, he's another 06, um, 17, 17 years old right now. Um, it's insane. And right now for Tri-City in 23 games, he's got nine goals, 20 assists for 29 points. Um, they have it projected at 58 games. He's going to be at 23 points or 23 goals, 50 assists for 73 points. Um, which is phenomenal. It's it's a guy that you would think goes between he's he's a mid first round guy for me. Uh, maybe even higher. Um depending on if there's a team that wants to jump up and, and grab, you know grab his you know, grab him based on his playmaking abilities. I, I know for me, like obviously being a Bruins fan, I would be so fired up um if he were to end up on the Bruins. Obviously we don't have a first round pick so we'd have to trade in, but he he's an incredibly talented kid. Um, I think the sky's the limit for this kid. He, he's going to be really fun to watch, especially in the hockey East next year. Um, the hockey East just keeps getting better and better and better. Um, we're going to see, you know, Cole Eiserman there next year, um, and and Trevor Connolly. You know, he, he's he's going to make waves for sure um, for Providence, and he's you know he's going to be really fun to watch. I, I can't wait. Um, hopefully we get to talk to him, um, you know, as we get closer to the draft, um, I know he's excited for it. I know he's, you know, he's been playing his ass off. He's, you know, putting up the numbers, he's, you know, scoring insane goals. And I'm excited to see where he falls, um, as far as the draft, I, he's another one of those guys similar to Jerichek where I could see him anywhere between the 10 to 15 range. Um, this mock draft I have up right now, um, mynhldraft.com, um, has him falling 17 to the Edmonton Oilers. I, I don't know if that's necessarily a fit right now. Um, I mean, this is as current uh, as December 13th. Um, I don't know, like... Obviously, I think at the beginning of the year when everyone was thinking McDavid was going to go, I mean, I just think the Oilers have so many more needs than a center right now. Um, especially defensemen. Um, I mean, if I'm Edmonton, I'm loading up on defensemen right now. Um, who is going to be sitting there right now? Obviously, this is as current, I mentioned, December 13th. And if they're sitting end of the first round. I mean, who are you looking at? I mean, Cole Hudson, potentially. Um, I don't know. Like, Aaron Kiviharyu, he's another one of those guys I'm really excited about, and he'll be brought up um, probably next week's episode. I'll be doing a breakdown of him. Um, so we'll see. I, I, There's a couple teams that really, they you know, stands out to me. Um, Obviously, if Montreal is sitting there at you know in the ten to ten to fifteen range, I could see them pulling the trigger um, on a, on a con Trevor Connolly. Um, Carolina, another team, if they're sitting there, number one center, I, I could see it. I mean, obviously they got Sam Aho or Sebastian Aho. Um, I, I could see him being a fit there too. Um, so we'll see how it ends up. Um, the the last guy that I want to break down, um, you know, for this week, um, a part of the World Juniors, um, part of Team USA, 
Um, I want to make sure that I'm pronouncing his name right because I don't want to sound like a complete jack wagon. Um, because I've literally pronounced it like five different ways, and I'm pretty sure every single one has been incorrect. I'm just gonna go with Zev Beam. I think that sounds and looks good. I mean, sounds right. Um, this dude has been obviously he's playing right. He's an 05, 18 years old, um, playing for the University of Denver right now as a freshman. Um, six foot one eighty three. Most of the rankings that I'm looking at, um, having his elite prospects up as far as consolidated ranking, elite prospects, daily faceoff, hockey news, all within the tw- you know the eighteen to or sixteen to twenty two range. Um. He's another one of those guys, obviously playing in college hockey right now as a true freshman, um, that I could see a team jumping up to acquire. Um, has great speed as a you know in that offensive instinct that you like to see as a you know for an offensive defenseman. He's got really good speed. Um, his vision, his passing, his you know second to none. Um, Right, I mentioned you know he's a part of this World Junior team. So far in in five games, he's put up two goals, two assists, um, for four total points, um, and is a plus ten. And then at Denver, I mentioned as a freshman in eighteen games, he's got five goals, twenty assists, twenty five points, twelve penalty minutes, and is a plus thirteen. I think this kid is one of those defensemen that might, for whatever reason, go under the radar and slip a little bit probably to which it's not even really slipping I'd say but probably halfway through the first I see him going I mean you you mentioned I just mentioned literally the Edmonton Oilers if they stay in the middle of first round would be a perfect fit for him um for them rather um needing a defenseman who can make plays sees the ice really well um I could potentially see him being a fit there. Um, and I'm trying to look for his, you know, the, the his skill rating, I mentioned him on Elite Prospects, you know, they have a skill rating. Um, his passing is, is his highest attribute, his teamwork, acceleration, offensive. And that those are all things I notice as well, just his skating ability in some of these games, um, the way that he's not afraid to jump up in the rush. Um, and contribute offensively. Um, it, it's it's he's a guy that I would love to have um, on a top pair as as you know an offensive defenseman. Um, having a really good good World Juniors, um, you know, and and I'll I'll bring up again what Stephen Ellis said from Daily Faceoff um, about him. He's a solid mentor in Col- um, Colorado for Colorado Avalanche. Sean Behrens, um, helping him to understand the pressure of playing big minutes against quality competition. I read that completely wrong. He has a solid mentor in Colorado Avalanche prospects, Sean Behrens, helping him to understand the pressure of playing big minutes against quality competition. There were a few times last year where BM looked like the best player on the ice but at other times can be invisible. 
I've noticed in in the, all the games that I've watched World Junior wise, he has been noticeable noticeable to me. Um, especially um, his skating, it just is second to none. Um, you know, I th- I think he really came in came into his own um, playing for the U seventeen national team. Um, prior to that, you know, he played at Shattuck St Mary's, which is again phenomenal competition. Um, you know, for 14U AAA and 15U AAA, um, where he just dominated those those two years um, in 2019 to 2021. Um, he's, he's a prospect I'm really excited about. Um, I mentioned where do I see him best fit anywhere but in that, in that mid-first round. Um, the, the first team that has a chance to grab this guy um, – They'd be idiots not to, because I think he's he's going to be a really good player at the next level, um, just based on his you know his skating, the way that he sees the ice, the you know the way that he's able to jump in the play. He's not a defensive liability. Um, you know, sometimes you see these these really really skilled offensive defensemen um, jump up in the play too much. Um, don't necessarily know when the right times to do it are and can sometimes be considered, you know, defensive liabilities. And I, I don't see BM being anywhere close to that. Um, I think he's a really, really good prospect. Um, I'm intrigued to see, um, because right now they have that same mock draft I'm looking at. They have him going 15 to Carolina, but I see Chicago having the 14th pick. And I, I honestly would be intrigued if Chicago grabbed either a Celebrini, a uh, Caden Lindstrom, we mentioned last week, um, the 6'3", 216 center from Medicine Hat, um, Cole Iserman, another guy, obviously, you know, six foot 196, he's ripping it up in the U.S. National Development Program. Grabbing one of them, depending on where they fall, one to four, I, I mean, barring some crazy where they fall out of that. And then with their second pick, potentially going defenseman. I mean, who knows? You know, they got Seth Jones. You know, they got some some good defensemen back there. Kevin Korchinski has really come into his own this year. Um, big boy. He, you know, obviously he's a rookie this year with Bedard. Um, do they grab a defenseman? I mean, I would love to see them grab like a, a you know, Zeev BM. And I think he would be a sick fit, honestly. Like, Having Korchinski back there and then pairing him potentially at some point, right, when when he's ready and when they feel he's ready, I think he'd be a sick fit there. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. Um, I mentioned, le- you know, I mentioned beginning of the episode that um, on Tuesday when I go to record this on Wednesday, I'm going to have the full list of, you know, teams if the season were to end next Tuesday. Um, so I'm going to have that full list. I'll have the prospects plugged in there and I'm going to go, I'm going to run down the list. That's going to be, you know, after I do my breakdowns of, you know, PWHL and NHL stuff, that's what I, I really want to dive into is where I see, um, a lot of these guys fitting. Cause having just brought up picks one through nine, I mean, there is, this draft is absolutely loaded and have not, not even talking about the end of the first round where there are going to be some real steals. Um, it's going to be fun to do. It's going to be fun to kind of plug these guys in 
um, you know, the entire first round. Because you, you guys will see once I plug in the entire first, you'll see just how loaded this this draft is with some of these guys that are going to be falling um, to the end of the first and potentially even, you know, second, third, etc. you know. Um, but yeah, so that kind of wraps up um, this episode. Um, it was, you know, this was, this was a really, this is my second episode doing solo. Um, so a little nervous last week for sure. And just, you know, I, I kind of find myself getting a little scatterbrained at times, but it's just cause you know, I'm extremely passionate about this stuff and you know, the game of hockey. Um, but you know, I'm hoping as, as time goes on, you know, having guests on here and there, obviously giving you guys the interviews every single week of you know, college, we're going to be having some PWHL um, women on here. Um, some NHLers, you know, coming up here soon. Um, just, just really excited. Um, I kind of just felt more comfortable, I guess, just kind of being able to talk and, and break down these prospects. And, um, you know, I think as time goes on, it will be a little more organized. And um, I, I really if you guys have any recommendations as far as, you know, topics you want to hear, um, you know, different leagues that you want me to talk about, um, definitely feel free to, you know, DM or, you know, when I do my post, um, you know, the day before, um, recording day, definitely just comment, um, things that you want to hear about. I I'm more than willing to, you know, dive into those topics. Nothing's off limits. Um, as far as hockey goes, I'm willing to talk about anything. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously right now the game, the PWHL Boston versus PWHL, uh, Minnesota game is about to start 7 PM puck drop, um, at Songus arena. Um, that's about to start. Um, and then obviously tomorrow, um, team USA will be taking on Finland. So that's something, you know, I'm really going to be watching. Um, the prospects in those games, you know, the, the Zeev BMs, the, you know, the constant Hellenius I'll be able to have a really in-depth breakdown, um, next week, which I'm really fired up for. Um, so again, if you guys, I'll say it again, if you guys have any topics that you want me to discuss, um, definitely reach out. You can hit up my personal, um, Twitter. They're all, all my handles are the same. Um, at Chris J Davis 11. Um, and then the drop the mitts account as well, which is at drop mitts hockey. Um, you can, you can message either one of those accounts and I'd be, you know, more than happy to talk about a specific team, a specific player, um, whatever it may be. Um, nothing's off limits. Um, so yeah, that wraps up, um, episode 27 of drop the mitts hockey podcast brought to you in partnership with primetime production. Um, this week's interview was awesome. Um, one of the most, and I say this every every interview because every one of these guys that I have, you know, that I'm fortunate enough to, you know, have the opportunity to talk to um, are just so, so down to earth and just incredible dudes. Um, and this one was definitely no different. Um, from Merrimack College, um, Matt Capone, just an incredible kid. Obviously, he was drafted last year, seventh round to um the Edmonton Oilers um incredibly humble kid I mean we got to you know we got to talk about his draft experience just why he chose Merrimack um you know playing in the hockey east um and he just just 
all his responses in, incredibly humble. Um, and hopefully, you know, we will keep in touch, you know, as he, as he moves to the next level and um, just, just an awesome interview. So I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this one. So without further ado, um, Matt Capone. Thanks guys. Welcome back to another episode of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast brought to you in partnership with Primetime Production. Today, we have a special guest from Merrimack College, uh, Matt Capone. Matt, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Thank you so much for joining us, man. It's an honor to have you on. Uh, how was your uh, Christmas break? You, you know, you had a little bit of time off. How was that? Did you get to uh, enjoy some time with the family? Yeah, no, it was great. I got to go home for a couple of days. Uh, we just got back. 26 so we were there we were home for about 10 days or so um but it was great like seeing some family seeing some people i haven't seen in a while some friends it was it was everything and it was it was great so it was great to go home yeah dude nice little reset you know before you got to get back to the grind yeah um so you know mentioned you play for you know the merrimack warriors you guys sit right now at nine nine and one um on the season in it like literally the best division in college hockey right now you guys sit at two six and one um what would you say that you know is going right for your team right now and what are some areas that you guys have kind of uh pinpointed as things you you want to focus on improving no i mean i think all in all our teams our team's taking steps um you know it's it's a long season you face adversity every year and we had a slower start than we had hoped but i think you know using that as motivation is good i think you know we're scoring a lot of goals which is good um that's something in this league that's not easy um, right think we got to continue scoring some goals but just cleaning up some some little things I think is what would be best for our team just a couple things that you know last year we didn't really have any much much problem with and we're having some trouble with this year and just kind of cleaning up the little things that that are kind of hurting us hurting us in the long run right now but I think just the little things and the little habits will will be help helpful yeah you know so this year, you know, in 18 games, you, you've put up four goals, 17 assists. Um, again, to, to put it into perspective how incredibly competitive the Hockey East is. I mean, it's unbelievable how loaded, you know, the Hockey East is this year, especially. Um, similar to the first question, like what areas do you think, um, like what are some areas of your game personally would you like to kind of touch up on? Um, and then what are some areas of your game that you really take pride on? It, things that you, you know, you think you really exceed at? Yeah, no, I think I definitely got to get get a little bit stronger, uh, get some weight on me. Um, I'm still still a younger guy in the league, uh, so just trying to develop into my body is a big thing. Um, and I know I just I think I take pride in my skating, my stick handling ability, uh, my ability to make plays, and just being there for my team, whatever my team needs me to do. I think is something that I really really just strive to do and. Whatever the team needs, I, I like to I like to be the guy that's doing it so and driving the thing. So, yeah, that's awesome, man. And you know, prior to your career um, at Merrimack, um, you attended Dexter Southfield, um, phenomenal school. Um, talk to us about your time there. Um, what that school did for your development, um, not only on the ice but off the ice as well. No, I think going to Dexter was a crucial decision in my whole development as a person. Um, I've made several friendships there that I still have today, uh, relationships that I'm going to have for long, long years after I'm done playing. And I've made relationships there with people that I would have never even thought I would come across as well. Like um, several people that have, have taught me a lot of new lessons in life that you would never have, never have thought you would realize just by kind of 
moving yourself into a new opportunity, which I did by taking a taking a big jump, you know, taking the taking the transit an hour every day to school. And yeah. you know, it was just it was a big change for me, but I think it was good because it helped me get out of my shell a little bit and break out and, and try to learn learn more about my myself and you know, I'm I'm so grateful for my time at Dexter. I really am. I think it it really helped shape me into who I am today. Um, and then, and then on the ice as well, I think being able to take that step to the next level was huge and being able to do that at such a prestigious school like Dexter is, was such a, such a grateful opportunity. I'll, I'll be forever be thankful for it. And I think just, just always falling back on my roots that I learned there and, and using that to my ability as much as I can is something that I, I always fall back on. And I think just, just being grateful and thankful is, uh, is what I've learned there. Um, being thankful for everything you're given and, and you have to earn everything. And that's something that I've always kind of stuck with me since I've been there. And, you know, it's just, it was, it was a great couple of years there and I'm, I'm forever going to be grateful for them. And so I have several relationships, which I will probably continue on for years now. And I'm just very grateful for the, my opportunity to go to that school. You played, you played with the river rats prior to going to Dexter. How much of a like culture shock and like, what was the jump like from that, you know, level of hockey? then going to prep like what was how was that jump for you no it was a big jump um like i was playing public school as well uh so i kind of played river rats for four years but i had only really switched my high schools up um and it was definitely just a big difference i think seeing the competition i was playing against was big um the, the competition was a big jump uh i think my u16 year was the year i really really began to see it you know we we had played some really really good squads. Um, we were actually a really good team that year too. And that was the year the pandemic had started. But right before that we were, we had qualified for the national, the national uh, championships or whatever, the USA hockey nationals. And, you know, we had a really good team and I think kind of right around then was kind of realized, you know, man, it's, these kids are good. Like this is the next level. And this is where, this is where kids kind of separate themselves. And, you know, I kind of use that as motivation as well. So. To, to go to get to your point about you know players separating themselves was there a point at either Dexter or prior to that um where you knew that you were really good enough you know to play division one and then ultimately get drafted to the NHL I mean there had to have been a point right where you kind of were like oh shit like I really have a chance of you know making something of this yeah no I mean I definitely think I've always I've always believed in myself um I have that I have from from since day one I think you know, right when I right before high school, I think I really, uh, really believed I had something. But I think it was my was it freshman year. I had tried out for the mass hockey uh, national camp or whatever. And in my first year, I hadn't even made the top 40 in the state for the whole my age group. And then the next year I ended up making top 15 kids in the state and ended up making the camp. And it kind of just that was kind of a a proven point to myself that, you know, this is, this is a, a reachable goal and this is stuff that I, I should really strive for. And, you know, I, I've always loved the game of hockey. I've always believed in myself and I've always loved playing hockey. So I think just the whole, the whole time I've been playing, I really thought that I've, I've had a serious skill and an ability to, to make an impact in every game. And I just think staying with it and staying focused is huge. And you know, I love getting better and I love improving myself. So, that's kind of a, that's kind of another thing that I just keep using. So, yeah, that's awesome, man. And, um, you know, after Dexter, um, during your recruiting process, um, 
were there any other schools that you seriously considered? Um, and then what was it specifically about Merrimack that kind of made you fall in love with that school? No, I mean, I definitely think there were other schools involved, um, but Merrimack from the start was the most shown the most interest, um, most interest in me as a person, as not as much as a, a player, more as a person. And that was really stuck out to me. Um, I think Scotty and Scotty and Dan and Josh, who is who's not here with us now, but was uh, very big in the whole recruiting process because they kind of strived a lot on family and trying to grow a family here. And, you know, I, I told myself growing up, I wanted to do something that was different, something that hasn't been done before. And, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do something that not many people would have tried to do at least. And, and that's go to a place that you could try to do something that hasn't been accomplished. And, you know, we're still trying to accomplish that goal. And I just think that was, that was a big thing for me. Um, being having trust in my coaching staff was the number one thing for me when I was going through my recruiting process. Cause you know, you can only, you can only get such a thrown, such a big plate. It's, it's just as much as you take and how much you use it. And they gave me an opportunity right away. And, you know, I, I, I thought that it was very, very grateful for them to give me that opportunity right away. And, and it showed a lot of trust. So that's kind of where, that's kind of where I was with the whole process was just finding trust in a coaching staff because yeah. at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Yeah. hundred percent. dude. And you, you guys seem like such a close knit group, you know, and um, you know, like what's the message in the locker room, you know, with the leaders um, like I mentioned, like you guys just seem so close. I, I, everyone, every team, I guess can say, you know, they're close, but you know, I've watched a couple games and there's been a few times where, you know, whether it's a, a bad hit or something, I've always seen you guys kind of go to bat for each other. What is it about your group that makes you guys so special and just makes you guys so close? No, I'm sorry. I think um, we, we have a really good relationships with each other. Um, and that's the number one thing in our locker room is the relationships. Uh, and I think the most important thing about a team is the team itself and having good com camaraderie around the rank and having good relationships with each other is huge. And, you know, Scotty really emphasizes the locker room, really emphasizes yeah. the locker room. And that's, that's, that's a really big thing in sports and, and successful teams always have good locker rooms. And that's something yeah. that you have to strive on and have to kind of focus on. And I think, you know, we've, we've been through a lot, this group, we have a lot of guys that have been here for several years now and just laying down the foundation for what's to come over the next couple of years is really important here. Um, and I think just, you know, not, not looking too far ahead and just kind of staying here and, and having fun with each other. And we just, you know, we're trying to have as much fun as we can every day. And so, yeah, that's huge, man. And, um, so like personally for you, some of your top attributes that they have listed for you, um, obviously your agility, your speed, um, your puck handling, and then your leadership, which I think is the, probably the most important to you. Right. And, um, you know, as a future captain, I would assume of, of Merrimack, um, and then growing up being a mass guy, um, were there any guys that you kind of found yourself following, uh, growing up kind of idolizing? And then as far as guys in the, in the show now, um, are there any guys that you see yourself in or try to emulate your game after? Yeah, I mean, you always have the Connor McDavid's, Austin Matthews that you love to watch. Um, you know, Connor Bedard's obviously a special product right now. I mean, if you watch his game, it's pretty, it's pretty cool to be able to see what he does. But I just think, you know, some guys like Zach Hyman that are really good players that do a lot of the dirty things. Patrice Bergeron was obviously the guy who I watched forever. Um, I, I watched tons yeah. of film on him, tons of, tons of his games, obviously, and just 
being able to watch him night in and night out was was really good, I think, for myself because I like to model my game after guys like him, um, guys like Marshan a little bit, Pasenak. Just having having a toolbox of a lot of different guys, I think, is it's it'd be it'd be good to be able to have an ability like all of them. So I think just watching film on a lot of those guys is something that I've I've always done, and I've always watched the Bruins and. The Bruins have always been a good team, and and they've always had good players. So I think I've been able, I've been lucky to be able to be around such a good team, I guess. And watching a lot of good players come through the Bruins has has been helpful for me. So, would you say in watching Bergeron has kind of made you, um, just kind of have in the back of your mind, like you you just seem in watching your game. I've gotten opportunity, you know, to watch a couple games this year, and you just seem very responsible in your own end. Um, you know, don't try to do too much. You just, you, you really want to help your defenders out. Is he a big reason why um, you kind of have that, I guess, area of your game? You just take pride in, in defensive zone? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think he's, he's one of the best two-way forwards of all time. He probably yeah. will go down as arguably the best of all time. And, yeah. And the way he was able to make simple plays and get pucks over the blue line was, was at a different rate and a different level. And I think that was what helped the Bruins win a lot of games over the years too and win a cup. And I think right. that he he was a big reason for it. And just trying to help the team win in any any scenario, any way you can is, is big. And he did it. And being able to model model a game after such a good player would be would be special and would be an honor. So I think just keep watching film and keep watching the games and just paying attention to close details. Yeah, for sure. So Last year's draft, you were selected uh, by the Edmonton Oilers, seventh round. Un unreal, by the way, dude. I was so fired up when I saw that. Thank um, you. So take us through what you remember that day, man. Like, how crazy is it? Obviously, you're going to a team, like, get drafted to a team that has two of the best players in the world. Like, take us through what you remember that day. No, it was honestly a surreal moment. Um, it was kind of, it was kind of getting later in the draft, so you didn't really know what was going to happen. Um, you know, I'm an older guy, so I was kind of, it was my last year of the draft, anyways. So, just kind of sticking, sticking with the game plan of whatever happens, whatever happens, and just kind of hoping that my name was going to get called to something that obviously I was hoping happened. And I think me and my, for me and my family, it was, it was cool to be able to see my name on the screen and. It was kind of a uh, whirlwind moment seeing just everything come together and just for a couple moments being able to realize that you you know you're you're getting you're getting somewhere and you're something yeah. positive coming from this and just staying with it and it was it was a good moment and it was a good feeling. Me and my brothers were sitting around the TV watching it. And it was just something I'll never forget and I'm sure my brothers will never forget. My fam, my parents as well. So just a cool moment for me and my family as a whole and. Just a real surreal moment. You, you know, you mentioned going later in the draft. I think, you know, for anyone to get drafted, obviously it's an incredible uh, accomplishment. I mean, the best of the best get drafted, right? Is the fact that you went a little bit later in the draft, seventh round, is that something you kind of carry with you um, a little bit like a chip on your shoulder um, just in kind of your mentality? Um, Not really, honestly, because I, I'm very honored to be able to get picked. Um, yeah. it it was a big honor for me, like thinking about the NHL. It's something that you've grown up watching and just to be able to be even somewhat associated with the team is pretty, pretty honestly, yeah. such an honor. You're very grateful for it. So no, I think I'm very grateful that for that the Oilers picked me and I'm, I'm forever thankful for them to be able to use a selection on me because it's, it, 
it's a it's a draft pick and it means a lot and and it's really cool that a team believes in you and believes in you enough to where you know they can trust where they can they can use a pick on you and i'm just i'm very honored that the oilers picked me and i'm very grateful for for everything that they've done for me and my family so were there any of those older guys on the team that reached out to you just to kind of congratulate you and, and kind of you know offer a little bit of mentorship no no i think just because i had i'd flown right out to edmonton over the next yeah. day there were there was just some players out there but just seeing a lot of the management and staff reaching out was really cool um a lot of a lot of the management was at development camp as well so i got to meet a lot of new faces and stuff and so it was great it was great um prior to the draft um like interviews and stuff um were you ever asked any like bizarre questions that you kind of made you like stop and be like what the hell like because obviously we've heard stories of like these bizarre questions be asked and just players get completely thrown off um and then also in addition to that were there any teams specifically that you kind of thought that you had a chance that would be a good fit yeah no i mean i had i had a pretty pretty wide based uh interview process i had interviewed with a lot of teams over the last couple of years um a lot of teams i interviewed with several times uh but it was just it was an interesting process to say the least <clears throat> it was very uh it was very interesting to see what some of the teams wanted to find out about you and wanted to know who you yeah. were but i guess they got to do their due diligence and it's kind of it's kind of cool to see what what goes on behind the scenes is when you get involved with it um right. so it was it was very cool i i didn't face any crazy too crazy crazy questions um uh so i, I don't really have any pretty crazy stories for you but i had i had done a lot of interviews and i i'd met with a lot of teams and i think just there were a couple teams that i had thought were were definitely gonna try and make a selection for me i know some teams have tried to tried to get me before the oilers got me but i think just just kind of seeing whatever happened was going to happen um and then if you know if i hadn't gotten picked would be i would have been going to a development camp for sure so just seeing whatever happened happened and letting it all play out by itself and yeah you can control is kind of what i was what i was thinking yeah dude for sure so you mentioned earlier you know you got to participate in your first, uh in development camp um this summer uh, what was your biggest takeaway um things you learned you know about you know the professional game you know on the ice off the ice what were your uh, some of your biggest takeaways of that week oh i mean it was it was really cool um going out to a new city was cool edmonton's a great city um they they showed us a great time we uh we played some golf we did a lot of different things and and it, it was a really cool experience being able to see see the arena the arena is beautiful um their locker rooms and facilities are top notch probably some of the best in the whole league um and just being able to see what what goes on day to day is important for myself because at the end of the day that's that's my goal is to to play in the national hockey league and to be able to get a get a preview of what what's to come and what what you're striving for is cool because now you you go home and you know that this is what this is what you're working for and you know it was it was good for myself and good good personally because I I experienced something that I I hadn't really experienced before and that was that was definitely new and good for myself and you know it, it was really cool it was a great experience. Were there any things like off the ice that kind of made you like think to yourself like. I don't know, like a lot of the guys that we have, you know, that we talk to um, as far as development camp, like 
the diet is a big thing, you know, the off the ice training, the just how you take care of your body, sleep. What was there any aspects of, you know, the off the ice, um, I guess, tutorials or whatever people that came in and talked to you that kind of made you rethink how you've been doing things? Yeah, I think the pro hockey lifestyle is it's it's very day to day focused day to day life. And um, I think focusing on diet is huge. Um, your body is a big thing. Keeping your body at, at its top shape because you need to be playing at your top shape every night. Um, and I think that was something that kind of you, you kind of realize, OK, this is this is what you focus on. And I just think getting stronger and bigger is going to be going to be huge for myself and be key for my my development personally and no i i just think you know kind of when i went out there it was kind of everything i expected was was what i learned and what i heard and and that that was good for myself because you know i i think that everything that everything that i had i had learned out there and i had taught or talked a lot about with with their staff was was good information and stuff that you you take home and you bring it to the rink every day here and hopefully spread it on your teammates a little bit too and just just use it every day i think it's it's something i i definitely been using so you mentioned that you hit the links out there how are the courses out there man i i hear i hear great things about the area i i haven't had a chance to make it out there yet um no, how are they it was great we uh i forget the name of the course we played on but it, was, it looked like a private course um <clears throat> it was beautiful though very nice landscape it was very open um very open and it was great uh, it started rain a little bit but other than that it was it was good it was how'd you great. play not too good honestly <laughs> not too good um we had the mic on us for a little bit so i, I wasn't wasn't doing too great well all right man La last question for you um for the younger kids um you know playing you know making their way up uh in the game um and for the kids you know who want to ultimately play at a high level play division one and then you know have the shot of going pro uh, how rare it is um what piece of advice would you offer them um on kind of getting themselves to the next level, um, on ice stuff, off the ice stuff. Um, what, what would your biggest piece of advice to them be? I think just, um, just being a great person on and off the ice, um, doing what, doing what you have to do to, to be a good person comes, comes with being a good player. But I think also just always believing in yourself. Um, I was a guy who was looked over in every, every situation possible. Um, but I'm still still playing today at a high level, and you know I'm grateful to be able to. But I think just just believing in yourself is very important because there's going to be people out there that won't want you to succeed and don't want you to do what you do what you want to do. And using that as motivation and, and never never getting off your tracks, I think is is a big thing for me. Just always believing in yourself, and you know if you if you have the ability to do it, it'll it'll come and it'll all fall in its own place. So just sticking with everything and believing in yourself is it's huge so that's awesome man I, I can't thank you enough um that's great advice um but honestly man i can't thank you enough it was an honor getting uh you know getting the opportunity to chat with you um i wish you best of luck the rest of the way um and yeah man i again i can't thank you enough so no have a good one man i really appreciate it. it was an honor to be on the podcast so thank you for having me awesome man take care thank you thank you you as well that was Matt Capone of the Merrimack Warriors, uh, forward, unbelievable kid, incredibly talented. Um, if you get the chance, uh, go watch some of his highlights. Um, incredibly talented, you know, again, for the Merrimack Warriors. But 
That concludes episode 27 of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Primetime Production. Um, hope you guys all had a great uh, New Year's and, and you know, stay healthy um, and stay safe out there. Take care.